My sons, Luke and Nathan, age 12 and 8, have been wanting a pet dog for a very long time. And my wife, Laura, and I have been resistant to that for a few different reasons. One would be responsibility. Will the boys really chip in and, and do their part in this, especially when the newness of the pet wears off? There's, of course, the financial cost involved and the lifestyle interruption. It's not going to be status quo anymore. Lots of things to do to take care of, of a pet. Uh, and then we just kind of don't view ourselves as indoor pet people. And so what kind of mess could a pet do? And so we've kind of been resistant to that. But lately, God has been working on our hearts. And the boys have been working on our hearts. And it's been tough in the pandemic. And Luke and Nathan have done such a great job and you know, doing the remote learning and all that they've had to deal with and just the stress of everything that's happened this year. And so I think God's really just been opening our hearts that maybe a pet would be good for all of us to take some of the stress off of and, and just appreciate the love that a dog can bring into a house. And so we've been thinking about getting a dog in time for Christmas. And we don't have anything purchased yet, any dog beds or things like that. But this weekend, an opportunity arose to adopt just a precious little puppy. And we decided to go for it. And so I'm happy to introduce to you today, uh, little Bella, baby Bella puppy that we have adopted and we've all fallen in love with. And now we are indoor pet people. Because how can you look at that puppy and not have that puppy melt your heart? And so uh, we're, we're excited about that. We're adjusting to life on the fly because again, we didn't have anything at home to prepare for Bella's arrival. And now she's among us, we kind of had to scramble to go and you had to get dog food and get her lined up with the vet and all that sort of thing. And, and so we made it happen. And I guess it reminds me of that old phrase, where there's a will, there's a way. And we didn't have it all figured out, but we're figuring it out. And our, our hearts were transformed. Our hearts were softened. And our boys had a strong will to have a pet. And, and now Laura and I, our will is in that same direction. And so where there's a will, there's a way our hearts have changed and been open to this, and it's just been an exciting and, and heartwarming experience to have this puppy among us. And I'm saying that just as I was getting ready to do this message for worship today, I stepped in a big old puddle of puppy pee. <laughs> so my heart's really been changed. That didn't faze me. So anyway, probably too much information, but we have a puppy among us. And now, as a congregation, we are in the season, in the Christian year of Advent, which means coming or arrival. It's the four weeks that lead up to Christmas, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the arrival of God on the earth. Jesus has come to be among us. Jesus has brought the kingdom of God among us here on the earth. And so, every year around this time, we celebrate Advent. We get ready, we prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Uh, God among us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, the theological word for that is the incarnation. And so just as my family and I have been, you know, racing around to prepare for this new puppy in our lives, what I'd like to invite you to think and pray about today and in the, in the coming weeks is how do we prepare ourselves for the arrival of Jesus? How do we prepare ourselves for the arrival of the kingdom of God that, that is among us? And what does that look like to have God among us, to leave heaven and come to the earth in the form of a baby 
and to grow up to an adult to lead us and, and ultimately to lead us back to God. How do we prepare ourselves for Jesus, for God being among us? And that's what we're going to be looking at over these next few weeks uh, in this new series, Among Us. And today, we're going to be in the New Testament in the Gospel of Mark. Mark uh, is an early Christian in the first century, writing about the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. That's what gospel means. And we're going to be introduced to Jesus' cousin. His name is John, and, and he's called John the Baptist. We'll find out why that is in just a minute. Uh, and John's role is to prepare the people for the coming of Jesus, to prepare the, the way for the Messiah, the Savior, to prepare the way for his cousin Jesus to come and to save us. And in the Old Testament, several hundred years before Jesus was born and, and came into the world, uh, a prophet named Isaiah was given a message by God to say that this was going to happen, that God was going to send a Savior to earth. And so now John, John the Baptist, it's his role to fulfill what Isaiah spoke about hundreds of years before Jesus was born, that, that someone was going to come and prepare the way for Jesus, and that's John. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. So we're going to pick up today in the story of Mark, right in the first chapter, beginning with verse 1, as John comes to prepare the way for Jesus to be among us. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So we meet this wild kind of guy, John the Baptist, who's out in the wilderness. He's preaching this message of baptism and repentance, which we'll get to in just a minute about what does that really mean. He's wearing the camel hair, and he's eating locusts and honey, and He's just, he's going out to try to get people ready for the arrival of Jesus. And I think today that's part of our role as well. How do we get ourselves ready for the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of the kingdom of God? And how do we get other people ready for the message of Jesus and the arrival of the kingdom? Now, one interesting thing about Jesus and Christmas is that ultimately, you know, we celebrate Christmas and we, we give great gifts to one another and all that kind of stuff. And uh, over the past several years in our church, we've also developed a, a, a tradition of recognizing that Christmas is not our birthday, it's Jesus's birthday. And so one way that we prepare to welcome Jesus is to get Jesus a birthday present. Now you might be wondering, well, what do you get Jesus, who's God? What kind of present do you get? You're talking about shopping for someone who has everything already. That's kind of a, a tall order to figure out what we can get Jesus as a birthday present. Uh, to celebrate on Christmas. And so what we've done in our church over the past several years is we take up a special offering, a financial offering, uh, and we give 100% of that away. This is our Christmas offering. And we typically choose two different charities or ministries that are doing great things for God, and we give them 
100% of this, we split it 50-50 and give it 100% away. And it's been exciting to see what God has done through your generosity. And we fought sex trafficking in Charlotte with this money. Uh, we've helped the homeless find shelter and, and, and housing in Charlotte with this money. We've provided clean water for the people of Haiti and several communities there. Uh, we helped uh, eradicate, get rid of millions of dollars of medical debt uh, last year. And just we built, built medical clinics and helped other churches uh, who are doing amazing things and don't have a lot of income. And so it's just been a joy to be able to give Jesus this gift by helping people in his name who are doing his work. And so this year, you know, we really struggle with leadership and I really struggle with, you know, do we have a Christmas offering? Because, hey, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Lots of people are in trouble, lost jobs, the economy's bad. We just, you know, are finishing up a two-year capital campaign where we've been giving money for our new campus on top of what we're already giving to the general ministry of the church. And is it fair to ask people to, to give to a Christmas offering? And, and we understand that that could be stressful uh, for some of us who are watching today. And we also realize that we don't want to take the opportunity away for those of you who feel led and are able to give to the Christmas offering this year. And so what we decided was we're going to make it available. And if you feel led to give to the Christmas offering and, and that's something you want to do, that's great. And if you're not able to do that right now, that's okay as well. Because we understand the circumstances in our country right now. We don't want you to feel any pressure, but we also don't want to rob you of an opportunity. And so uh, we're going to take a, a little more of a low-key approach this year. And we're also going to focus uh, just on one charity to support for Jesus this year. And I'm excited to introduce that to you today um, because we've talked a lot about battling racism in our nation and systemic racism and how do we do that. And our Christmas offering is a way of trying to do that. And our Christmas offering is going to be providing money for scholarships, college scholarships through the United Negro College Fund, UNCF, that will support African-American black students in the state of North Carolina. And so I'm excited that we have an opportunity to do that because, again, racism is present in our education system. And just want to share just a couple of quick stats with you uh, from the UNCF that kind of explain that. Uh, only 6% of African Americans who took the ACT college entrance exam were college ready uh, in the areas of reading, math, and science, and English, compared to 27% for all students. So it's almost a three to one disadvantage for African-American students of being college ready. Uh, also, 42% of African-American college students graduate from college within six years compared to 62% for all students. So 42% African-American black students graduate within six years while 62% of all students graduate. So again, that's not that African-Americans or black students are less intelligent. That's not it at all. There are just a lot of obstacles to overcome in our system of education. And so the UNCF helps combat that. Listen to some of this good news that we can share from them today. Uh, those who receive a UNCF scholarship, 70% uh, of them will graduate from college. 70% of those who receive one of these scholarships will graduate from college. Uh, and these scholarship recipients graduate at nearly twice the rate 
of all African-American college students. So it almost doubles uh, the opportunity or percentage uh, of, of a person's ability as an African-American to graduate from college if they receive one of these scholarships. And so it's a great opportunity for us to help young people, uh, or actually people of all ages, college ages, to be able to graduate with a degree and further their lives and help our society. Uh, UNCF's uh, trademark uh, kind of catchphrase is a mind is a terrible thing to waste, but it's a wonderful thing to invest in. So I just invite you, as we prepare our hearts to welcome Jesus into the world and celebrate his birthday, to make a contribution to our Christmas offering. And you can do that either online or send in a check and just in the memo say Christmas offering. And 100% of that will go to the UNCF and that will support African-American scholarships in the state of North Carolina. Great way to prepare ourselves for Jesus and to be a part of spreading the kingdom of God in the world through the great gift of education. There's also something else that we can be doing to prepare ourselves to welcome Jesus among us. Uh, and that's really our relationship, focusing on our relationship with Christ. I want to go back into Mark's gospel and read a couple of verses again about John the Baptist's message that he was giving ahead of Jesus' arrival. So from chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, and confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So John's message is a message of repentance and confession of our sins. Sin is the stuff that we do that's wrong, the things that we do wrong to separate ourselves and create broken relationships with God and broken relationships with other people. And so that is sin. Consequences of sin are we experience guilt, we carry around shame, we feel ashamed, uh, we're going to die one day, and we are separated in broken relationships from each other and God, and the Bible uses the word hell for that. And so John's message is that we need to repent of that, right? Repent means to turn around, to change our mind, that when we live a lifestyle that goes against God, that, that violates God's relationship with us and, and one another, right? When we sin, we bring the guilt and shame into the world and the consequences and all that kind of stuff, what John is saying is, we want, to, we want to turn around, right? We want to leave that behind and open ourselves up to God. And we confess that to God. God, these are the things that I've done wrong. These are the things that I've done against other people. These are the things that I've done against you. And God, I want to stop living a life like that. And I, I want to leave that behind. I want to turn, Lord, and I want you to be my life. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be in relationship with me. I'm ready to turn around. Right? That's what repentance means. And then John would baptize people, which he probably were dunking them in the River Jordan, bringing them back up. Uh, and the water symbolizes God washing us clean, washing away our guilt, washing away our shame, uh, washing away our sin. And it's kind of like when we go under the water, we die. When we come back up, we're, we have new life in God. And so that's John's message. Like we want to get ready for Jesus. We've got to be ready to turn away from our lives without God to turn and be ready for Christ. Because that's why Jesus came. He was born as a baby. He was 100% God, 100% human. I know that's kind of crazy to understand. But when he grew up and he died on a cross, he took upon himself our guilt and our shame and our death and our hell and our sin, and he defeated it. When he came back to life, 
he gives us the opportunity now to be in a right relationship with God, that we can be forgiven of our sins. We can live life to the full now. We can live forever in the kingdom of heaven. And, and that's not something that we earn. Right? We can't work our way back to God, that sort of thing. It's, it's what Jesus does <coughs> excuse me, for us in our lives. Jesus does the heavy lifting. What we have to do is be willing to receive that. And that's what John's doing. He's trying to, he's trying to, you know, like, you know, you're working in a garden, you're trying to break up that hard ground. John's trying to break up the hard ground in our hearts to say, when we're living apart from God or we're living a lifestyle that doesn't match up with, with God, then we need to turn away from that. And we need to be open and ready for Jesus to, to forgive us because of what he did on the cross, right? This free gift to us, it's called grace. And when we believe in Jesus and we invite him into our lives, Jesus does the heavy lifting. John also says that Jesus is going to give us the Holy Spirit. Right? We're so far apart from God that, that we can't even repent on our own. We're going to need God's help. And so when we want to turn to God and turn away from that life apart from God, then the Holy Spirit is inside of us and it, it, it gives us that pull, right? We say, God, I want to leave that lifestyle behind. I, I want to start following you. I can't do that on my own. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in and gives us that strength to turn and to receive Jesus. So as we think about the ultimate gift that we can give to Jesus, the ultimate way that we can pray for Jesus is that we can surrender our will, right, our way, and open ourselves up to God's way and to turn away from life without God and to turn to God with the power of the Holy Spirit to receive Jesus' forgiveness that Jesus makes possible on the cross, right, and so that we can now live life to the full in Christ now and forever in the kingdom of God. That is an amazing way for us to prepare for Christ, and then to be able to share that good news and spread the kingdom of God with our friends and our family and the people that we live around and, and we work with and go to school with. So this repentance and this confession as we turn and allow Jesus to be our Lord and Savior and that we want to follow Christ. And we talked about where there's a will, there's a way, right? My, my boys had a will uh, to get a puppy. Laura and I finally surrendered our will to get a puppy, and we found a way, and we made it work. And, and God's will was not for us to be separated from God. God wants to be in a right relationship with us. That was God's will, and so God found a way to do that. And he made the ultimate sacrifice. He sent his son, God himself, into the world to die for us and come back to life right, so we can be in a right relationship with God. Where there's a will, there's a way. And, and God made the ultimate sacrifice to have that way back to God. So what? What's the point? What's the big idea today? What's, what's the takeaway? I think it stems from this, this phrase, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Right? Where there's a will, God wants us to be in our relationship. God found a way through Jesus. And I think the so what moment, though, for us kind of flips that, that around. It's like, where there's a way, surrender your will. Where there's a way, surrender your will. God has given us a way back to God through Jesus. And we have to surrender to turn away from our will, the way that we do things, like our ego, our pride, the way that we're living our lives without God. Where there's a way, surrender your will. Lord, I want to repent. I want to turn away from life without you. I'm going to surrender my way, my pride, my ego to you. Right? Where there's a way, a way back to God, surrender your will. So what I invite you to do over these next few weeks uh, even right now, like it's, it's no time like the present, is, is to do that. 
right? What do we need to do? We need to repent and we need to receive, right? We repent from our life without God through the power of the Holy Spirit and we receive the gift of Jesus because of what he did on the cross, right? Repent, turn away from ourselves, turn to God with the power of the Holy Spirit helping us to do that and then to receive the gift of Jesus, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of life to the full, the, the, the gift of life forever when we confess and repent and let Jesus save us. So I'd love for you to do that right now. I'd love for you to think and pray about that for the rest of this time of Advent, this four weeks that leads into Christmas. I'd love for you to, to invite others to come and hear this message so that we can help share the kingdom of God with others, not just ourselves. And so as we think about this great gift that God has given us, that we repent and we receive. We repent and we receive the gift of Christ. Where there's a way, surrender your will. Where there's a way, surrender your will. Well, of course, we're on cloud nine at our house with our puppy named Bella, little Bella, and uh, little baby Bella, and she's captured all of our hearts. And uh, my eight-year-old son, Nathan, was talking to Laura the other day, and, and she relayed this to me, and it just brought me great joy. And, and he had said to her, he said, Mama, Christmas is coming up, and we need to get a stocking for Bella. We need to have five stockings to hang on the mantle, which is right behind me here. It'll be Christmas suit, and we'll have all that stuff up. But he's like, we need five stockings because we're now a family of five. We need five stockings because now we're a family of five. And it's just great to see the love that our boys have for this new little puppy. And that they are really, see our dog. We all see our dog now as part of our and I think on a much grander scale, that's exactly what God's doing for all of us. And God says, I want you to be a part of my family. I created you in my image. I love you. You're, you're beautiful. You're amazing. I have such great plans for you. And, and, and I understand that, that all of you are human and you make mistakes and you turn away from that. And so I want you to be in the family so much that I sent my son into the world to die for you so that you can be in a right relationship with me. And God says, I want you to part of my family so much that I sent my own son to come to save right? Where there's a will, there's a way. Right? God wants us to be in right relationship. He sent his son. God wants us to be in the family of God. And so where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a way, surrender our will. Be a part of God's will. Doesn't that sound inviting? Be a part of the family of God. God loved you so much that he sent his only son into the world so that you can be in a right relationship with God. There is a way. Surrender 